good to see each one of you in the Lord's house tonight. Would you stand with me, please? And let's turn to page 286 together as we begin tonight. Page 286, saved by the blood. There's no other way to be saved but through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's sing it out, verses 1, 3, and 4 together. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Now ransomed from sin and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved, my sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone, saved, saved. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. The Father he spake and his will it was done. Great price of my pardon, his own precious son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved. My sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. By the blood of the crucified one Saved by the blood of the crucified one All hail to the Father All hail to the Son All hail to the Spirit The great three in one Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Saved, saved. I am saved by the blood of the crucified one. If you're saved, say amen tonight. Praise the Lord. Great start tonight. Well, I'm telling you, there's only one way to be saved. Amen. And that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so thankful that you're here uh, tonight. And it's good to be in God's house on our Wednesday night uh, service, the Oasis in the Desert. Amen. And so let's pray tonight. Sure glad that you're here. I'm going to ask Brother Donnie Carr if you would open us in a word of prayer tonight, brother. And won't you be seated uh, tonight? I did just have a few uh, quick announcements. Of course, if you had kids uh, in Faith Baptist School, we started school back on uh, Tuesday, and so uh, already uh, getting back uh, to it. Don't forget about also uh, regarding the school, there'll be games, uh, our first series of volleyball and basketball games against Heritage Baptist School. 
uh, out of Lawrence, uh, Kansas. Uh, we'll be playing. We'll be playing them Friday night. It'll be here at home uh, over in the E.J. Watson Gymnasium, and that'll be starting at six o'clock uh, in the evening. So if you got kids in school, make sure that you're aware of that. Uh, but also, if you just want to come out for some fun. Uh, and uh, watch the kids compete and stuff like that. They have a great time, and it's a real blessing. So I want to encourage you to be here uh, for that. Uh, also, don't forget about, uh, ladies, there's a wedding shower for Miss Sophie uh, Meerhoff, and that'll be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon this coming Saturday over in the Fellowship Hall. And again, her and Isaac uh, Needfelt are going to be married in February, and they are registered at uh, Amazon. And then also, I uh, wanted to mention this, January the 13th, which is on a Saturday be our church-wide outreach for the month of January. So that, that'll be uh, at 10.30 in the morning, uh, again, January uh, the 13th. Also, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, there'll be no school January uh, the 15th, and then there'll be some more games and different things coming up towards uh, the end of the month. Also, I wanted to mention this uh, tonight as well. The Midwest Couples Retreat uh, is coming up February the 2nd and the 3rd. The cost uh, is $190 per couple. That gives you a hotel room, I believe breakfast uh, the next day as well. Uh, but the reason that I mention that tonight is that any of our married couples would like to go to that, you do need to sign up by this coming Sunday, uh, January uh, the 7th. And so again, those are the things that are coming up here uh, this week. Tell you what, let's go ahead tonight and take your prayer list out. And I uh, did just want to mention a few things uh, tonight. <clears throat> uh, certainly do continue to pray uh, for the sickness that has been uh, kind of going around here quite a bit. Uh, it's uh, gone from, I think we've had strep, we've had COVID, and now we've got stomach virus, amen. And so uh, what I'm thinking is by the time everything gets good and kicked off in March and we have our youth rally, we'll be immune to everything, all right? And uh, so because we'll have already uh, had it. Do pray for Gary and Angel Waters. They are down uh, tonight, I know there's quite a bit of other sickness and, and stuff like that, and some are kind of getting on the mend and, and stuff like that. Uh, certainly good to see Miss Melanie Edler uh, feeling better, been praying for her and uh, her family. And do pray for the Serenity Hardman uh, family, also uh, Miss Kristen uh, Kennedy, her family, her dad, as well as her aunt passing away, and so pray for them. And, and of course, continue to pray for Miss Anna Quinlan's family. And also Matt and Shelby Dawsing, uh, they said their goodbyes uh, Sunday, and so pray for them as they are moving uh, down to Texas. Did just have some to add on uh, to our prayer list uh, tonight. If you would add Brother Gary Clark uh, on our prayer list, he's going to be having a biopsy procedure uh, tomorrow, and so pray for him. And then also Brother Rich Raymer uh, is down on his back, and so got a text on that, and so pray for him, pray for my wife's dealing with that as well, and so just a lot of, lot of things uh, going on tonight, so uh, anybody have a prayer request or an update or anything like that as we go to the Lord uh, in prayer tonight? Brother Don? Okay. Praise the Lord. All right. So you want us to take them off or you want to, okay. All right. So we can take uh, Mylan off. They did get all of that. So he does have to do some um, minor chemo things. And uh, I don't know if there's such a thing as minor chemo. Amen. But uh, uh, anyways, uh, but still thankful and thankful they got some good news on that. So that's a real 
uh, blessing uh, there. All right. Uh, anybody else tonight? Okay, Brother Griffin. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Good. Great. Good. Yeah, I can relate to that. College football will help the soul. Amen. So that's. Amen. 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 So that's a real blessing. Amen. So. What? All right. Amen. All right. Anybody else tonight? All right, Miss Rachel. Okay. Okay. All right, so let's pray for uh, Reagan Foster uh, with pregnancy complications. We do have quite a few on here uh, kind of dealing uh, with that. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Curtis, which is a friend of the Waters family, is also on our prayer list for that. Certainly pray for Miss Lizzie uh, Parker and little Madeline that's on her way as well. So, But uh, let's add uh, Reagan uh, Forster on there. Abs- or Foster, sorry about that. So Reagan Foster, amen. So, All right, Miss Sue. Amen. That's a blessing there. Okay. All right, so let's continue to pray for little Maddie Owens, uh, dealing with leukemia there in the first column at the bottom, and then certainly pray for Brother Roy McRae, and thankful they got some good news uh, this week, and it looks like the light at the end of the tunnel there uh, here in a couple of weeks, so that'll be a real blessing. So, Okay, I saw another hand, Brother Matt. Amen. Amen. So that was the house thing, right? And uh, so that was a real blessing uh, there. So praise the Lord for that. So we can take Brother Matt Whitney's unspoken off, and so that's a blessing. Okay, anybody else tonight? All right, Miss Melanie. Okay. 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 
All right, so let's add uh, Russell uh, Jones on there and uh, pray for him for prostate cancer. Okay, anybody else tonight? Okay, let's have our men uh, come tonight. And uh, as they're coming tonight, I did want to mention as well, we still have uh, some of the Bible reading calendars for 2024 available uh, back there. And so I do want to encourage you, if you hadn't got one, you'd like one, uh, certainly uh, grab one of those. It'll be a blessing uh, to you. It's been exciting this week to start the book of Genesis and uh, Mercy and even uh, the Gospel of Matthew and got into the Sermon on the Mount this morning. So a real blessing. Brother Steve Parker, would you pray for us uh, tonight? Amen. Amen. together one last time please turn to page 292 page 292 oh happy day we'll sing the first the third and the last verse together tonight page number 292 sing it out on that first verse oh happy day that fixed my choice on thee my savior and my god well may this glowing heart rejoice and tell its raptures all abroad Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed 
my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. Tis done the great transactions done. I am my Lord's and he is mine. He drew me and I followed on, charmed to confess the voice divine. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. Now rest my long, divided heart, fixed on this blissful center rest. Nor ever from my Lord depart, with Him of every good possessed. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. It was a happy day, amen. If you know the Lord is your Savior, you know that great feeling. Let's remain standing and get your Bibles ready for the message tonight. Thank you, brother. Amen. First Timothy chapter number four uh, tonight, and I uh, was just uh, looking up there at our uh, theme uh, that we're getting ready uh, to hang the banners up, and uh, what a blessing Sunday night was, amen, and uh, what a blessing Sunday night was, amen. I mean, we only saw somebody get saved, somebody join the church, somebody come forward for baptism. Don't get too excited about it. Mercy. Where are y'all at? It was a great service Sunday night. Amen. What a blessing. All right, 1 Timothy chapter number 4 uh, tonight. You guys know sure how to take the wind out of my sails sometimes. I'm telling you right now. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. All right, let's get started in verse number 12. All right. And here's what the Bible says. And remember, this is Paul. He's writing uh, Timothy. We're kind of looking at the pastoral epistles here. And here's what he says. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with, laying, uh, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, and under the doctrine continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that, that hear thee. So here's what I want you to grab a hold of uh, tonight. Uh, in the last two messages we have been going through uh, chap, all of chapter number four. Now, at the beginning of this, uh, we saw the, aposta, uh, the apostasy being exposed. These were those who turned away uh, from the faith. And the idea was this, is that he's encouraging Timothy, don't 
don't follow uh, after that. Don't turn away uh, from the faith. And then, the, then in the last message, we, we saw where Paul is encouraging Timothy to, to show him what it means to be a good minister. What, what a good minister does is this. He exposes the false prophecy. He exposes the lies of the day. And here's how he does it. By giving the truth of the Word of God. All right? So that's what he does. Now, now here's, here's what's going to happen. Now, now we're coming to the closing of chapter number 4. All right? And so there's these two directions. Don't go in apostasy, but here's, here's what a good minister does. All right? Now, here's what I want to say to you tonight. The direction that Timothy chooses is going to be determined by what he does in his private life. And this goes for all of men that are in the pulpit. But may I also say it goes for those that are in the pew as well. And so this is, this is what we're going to see in our text tonight. As Paul wraps up dealing with, with apostasy, he encourages Timothy to examine his private life and to stay faithful, to, to stay walking with God. And if he stays faithful there, he'll stay faithful in his public life. And so that's what we're going to see tonight. And that's true for every one of us tonight. And so here's the question for you and me tonight. How's your private life? How is your private life? Because I'm telling you, if it's two different things than what your public life is, you're in a lot of trouble tonight. It needs to be one where if your public life is expressing faithfulness, that's because your private life is as well. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's uh, Word. It's interesting this actually came up in some of our conversations uh, this past week as we were watching college football and there was a lot of spiritual things taking place. Amen. And uh, but I don't remember who it was or exactly it actually happened to another preacher. And we started talking about uh, this that, that happened uh, to me when I was pastoring uh, in Cassville. And, and our older kids were, were smaller uh, at the time. And, of course, they had several uh, other friends in, in the church uh, their age and, and stuff like that. And, and I can't remember what it was for. I, I remember it being in the summertime and I don't know if it was for birthdays or, or something, or maybe they just all wanted to get together. But anyways, my friends, uh, not my friends, my kids had a couple of their friends, uh, two or three or four, I can't remember how many of them came over on a Sunday night uh, after church, and they were going to have a sleepover and, and spend the night uh, at our house. And so I came in on a Sunday night uh, after church, our ki our, there's kids uh, in our house, uh, and they all run in there, and they get their little jammies on, and they come out, and they're all little fellas, you know, this was all when they were cute, right? And uh, they come out, and they pile up there in the, in the living room on the couch, and, and they're starting to, you know, watch uh, Disney, a Disney movie or something like that. I can't remember what, what, what they were doing. All I remember is this. I come in, and I've got my suit on and my tie on, and I go into my, into my bedroom, and I change, and I put on my pajama pants and a t-shirt, and I come walking out, and those kids turned around, and when they saw me, you would have thought I had leprosy. Because they were like, they had never seen the preacher 
uh, uh, you know, out of a suit. And I'm thinking, do you think that I wear a suit and a white shirt and a tie when I go to bed at night? And you, I mean, you'd have just thought, I mean, it just, it freaked, it freaked them out. And the idea is this, is that they were, they were used to seeing me in my public life. But now they were seeing me in my, in my private life. And the point is to say this tonight, every one of us have one of these tonight. We have a public life and we have a private life. And as much as we want the one we oftentimes portray on social media to be the real one, the truth of the matter is the real you is the one that nobody sees except you and the Lord. And here's the kicker tonight. It's the one in private that is going to determine how the one in public will be lived. This is what Paul is trying to get across to, to Timothy in our text tonight. Now, now I know, I, listen, we, we get into this tonight and we think, man, hey, this is Timothy. He's been left at the church at Ephesus. He is a, he is a preacher. I mean, I can't believe that Paul is, is wasting his breath tonight uh, challenging this preacher to walk with God because surely he doesn't need this kind of struck instruction He's already got a walk with God. To, to which I, I would say to you tonight that this, that men, men of God are not exempt uh, from this type of instruction and the need to be challenged in their personal uh, walk with, with God. I, I can remember years ago getting in ministry, and I, I know I've, I, I've told this, this story on a multitude of times, but I'm telling you tonight, I will never forget this, and it has served as a reminder to me through the years in ministry, and I pray you never forget it as well. But I can remember, I had just become the pastor of Bible Baptist Church in Cassville, Missouri. It was my first pastorate. Uh, we had a, a, a friend, that, uh, an evangelist, that had helped the church out uh, in the process of finding a pastor and those kind of things. He was still there, uh, and I went and picked him up uh, one morning to take him to breakfast. And I had had a wonderful time in my devotions that morning, and had spent time with the Lord, and, and so he gets in the uh, vehicle with me, and I start telling him about my devotion time and how God spoke to me, and he kind of got this goofy look on his face, and he looked at me, and he said, well, brother, it's good to hear that you, you do your uh, devotions in the morning and, and that you have a walk with God. And I went, what do you mean, brother? Doesn't every preacher have a walk with God? And he looked at me and goes, no. And I'm like, What? And, and, and he began to share this story with me as he was uh, preaching for another pastor and, and he had gotten in the vehicle with him and he began, he began to share how God had spoke to him in his devotions that morning to that hosting pastor and the pastor looked him dead straight in the face and said this, he doesn't do those kind of things anymore. He doesn't spend time in the Word and he doesn't spend time... In prayer, and, and you understand, when he told me that, now I was still in my 30s, so I got a little wound up. Probably not, I mean, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, so I'd probably still get a little wound up. But what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this. Listen, how can a man of God have the presence of God or the power of God in his life if he doesn't walk with God? You, you understand what I'm saying to you tonight? L listen, the, the answer is... He, he does it. And listen to this. That same pastor is no longer in ministry today. He's an apostate. 
He's turned away from the things of God and turned away from, from the faith. And this just goes to show you how right the Apostle Paul was in our text tonight that after he gives, listen to me tonight, after he lays out the directions of Timothy and he says, listen, this, this is the way men are going to go. The Spirit of God has spoken expressly. And in the latter times, some are going to depart from the faith. They're going to turn away from the things of God. But Timothy, this is what it means to be a good minister, that you continue to expose those things and you stay with the Word of God and preach the Word of God. Listen, he lays out those two directions And now Paul is directly dealing with Timothy in his personal life to examine himself and to make sure that he's walking with God. My friend, I'm telling you, Paul knew exactly what he was talking about. And it is no truer then, it is still true today, that if men of God don't walk with God, they'll turn away from the things of God. And the truth of the matter is, listen, it's not one rule for the man of God and another rule for the people of God. The reality is, it's the same for you and me. The principle is still the same. You have one of two directions you're going to go. You're either going to stay faithful and draw closer to the Lord and live for God and and finish your course and if the Lord comes for you or calls you home, or either you're going to begin to faint and you're going to begin to go this direction and eventually turn away from the things of God. And I'm telling you, your private life's going to determine that. I said your private life's going to determine that. And if your public life and your private life are two very different things right now, sooner or later they're going to meet. And if you're distant from God in your, in your private life, but you're trying to put on a show in the public life, I'm just telling you, you're already waning right now. Okay, that's the reality of it all. Let's look at number one tonight. Look at verse number 12 tonight. He says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So, so here's the thing tonight. Paul begins to kind of deal with this in Timothy's life and to show him the things that, that would help him to stay faithful in his private life. And the first thing that he does is he tells Timothy this, be a pattern. Be, be a pattern. And verse number 12 begins with one of the most well-known phrases in the book of 1 Timothy. You say things like 1 Timothy, most people think of this right here. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. This deals with the age-old misconception that you have to be old to be a pastor. Or a spiritual leader or an example for someone to follow. Listen to me tonight. I've seen older men have very poor character and younger men that truly walk with God. So you understand tonight, this is is not an age issue. This is an issue of character. This is an issue of the public life. Truth of the matter is, men like David and Daniel in the Bible, they were teenagers when God started using them in a mighty way. And by the way, their early walk with God determined their faithfulness throughout their lives. Think about that. To me, this phrase has two messages to it. When he, says, when he says this, he says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. If you are an older believer, be careful that you don't look down your nose at younger believers. You might learn some things from them. When you see the younger spending time in the Word, responding to the preaching and coming to an altar, giving themselves to serve the Lord, on fire for God, those kind of things. 
Those are not things we are to see and then think to ourselves, good, that's what they ought to be doing. I'm done with my, I've already done my time. There's no such thing as retirement in the Lord's work. Responsibilities may change as our physical abilities may change, but to still have a walk with God that's on fire for Him, that's not just something for the younger crowd. That's for everybody. So be careful that you don't despise the youth, but on the other side of that message is to the youth. The reality is there's always going to be some old fuddy-duddy in the house of God who refuses to get right with God and remain in their, in their carnality. And trust me, I said fuddy-duddy because that was my nicest choice of words. And they, listen, it will, it will convict them greatly when they see someone on fire for God and they'll express that conviction by despising our youth. They will say things like, ah, just wait a couple of weeks and you'll go back to normal. Listen, you don't have to do that. You can stay on fire for God. You can, you, you can, you know, listen, you don't have to follow their pattern. You can stay being a, an example unto them. Don't, don't let men determine your spiritual direction tonight, especially carnal men. Stay faithful to Jesus Christ. You're never too young to walk with God. From children in our church to teenagers, by the way, to young adults and the older adults, every one of us tonight needs to have a time and place where we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. And from that point on, we are walking with God and getting closer and closer and staying on fire for Him. Well, preacher, you know, I'm, I'm getting in my 50s now and my 60s and I'm starting to kind of wind down. What, what kind of attitude is that? Show me where that's at in the Bible. You don't, see a Paul, you don't see Paul in 2 Timothy going, well, you know, I'm finishing up my course, Timothy. I'm starting to slow down a little bit. That's not a biblical attitude. That's a worldly attitude. Stop despising the youth and get back on fire for God. So understand all, listen, so understanding all of that, Paul's instruction here is, is, to, is for Timothy to be an example. To be an example. And the word example, it literally means this. It means, it means, it means like a die or a stamp. Something that becomes a pattern for others around him to follow. Now, I would venture to say, I don't think we'd have to illustrate too long what a die or a stamp would be if you made Christmas cookies. That'll perk you up. Amen. I ate so many Christmas cookies, I swear, man, if I'd have got cut, I'd have bled sprinkles. Son, I'm telling you, somebody bought me a whole box and they were little cookies and you had to eat like six or seven of them to kind of get going. And the next thing you know, the box was empty. I looked at my wife and I said, she said, I don't want to hear no more about that chocolate cake I ate when I was pregnant. I said, well, I'm working on my Santa body, amen. Just leave me alone. You understand the one that makes the Christmas trees, the one that makes the snowmen, that, that's a die, that's a stamp, that's the idea. It's a pattern. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is this, is to determine in your private life that you're going to be that example, that pattern to the believers around you. Go ahead and decide it. 
And then he begins to list some things about this. He says, listen, he he talks about his godly character here. He talks about, look look at what he says. He says, to be thou an example of the believers. And he says this, in word. Well, what does that mean? That's talking about his speech. That's talking about the things that he says. And the idea here is this. this And this is interesting. We might ought to note here that he says in word. Now watch the order here. He says, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Now, I've got to be honest with you. When you see words like faith and, and charity, I, I, do you understand in 1 Corinthians what Paul said? That, that, that thou abided these three, faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest of these is charity. But yet he mentions word first right here. Probably because this is the part of our lives that has the most immediate impact. The things we say. And it can either do the most damage or it can demonstrate immediately to others that we desire to be an example of Jesus Christ. And folks, I'm telling you tonight, God's people need to be a little bit more mindful of their speech. And sometimes I I, I know this, I, I know I feel like this, I can be like what James says not to be. When he says, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God, out of the same mouth proceeding blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. I don't know if you feel that way, but I feel like, man, that's me right there half the time. And you understand tonight, filthy communication and cussing, perverted talk shouldn't be part of God's people's lives. But neither should gossiping either and backbiting and things like that and going, well, you know, I just need to know better how to pray for them. No, not really. You're just trying to be nosy. Stop justifying it. Keep your mouth shut and pray. You understand what I'm saying? James also said in that same passage that no man can tame the tongue. But, but here's the thing, no man can, but God sure can. I know this, I can, I'm a testimony of that tonight, that when I got saved, man, I had one of the most filthiest mouths on planet earth. But I'm sure thankful that God gave me the victory and changed some of the things I said. And if he can change my tongue, he can sure change yours. And I'm just saying to you, we need to be an example of that. We, we, listen, we, we, we need to work on this, and here's why. Because we live in a, in a world that is lost, but yet they still understand that an evil tongue is not pleasing unto the Lord. And maybe it is the things that we're saying is because our private life isn't what it should be. But he goes on down and says this in word and conversation. Many of though this to, to mean, that, you know, it's our way of life. It's not just the, the conversation in the sense of the things that we talk about, but it actually means our way of life. It literally means this. The word literally means our behavior. So it's the idea of this, that not only does our mouth need to be cleaned up, but our attitude as well. And I, 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 listen, and I want you to listen to this tonight. There are plenty of, pe- of God's people who do not cuss, but mercy, all they do is gripe and complain. I don't know how many times I've said this over the holidays. We have a lot of first world problems. You understand what first world problems are? I mean, that's, that's stuff that we gripe and complain about that if we were living in a third world country, we wouldn't have it to be complaining about. We'd be thankful for the roof over our head and maybe something to eat. You, you understand what I'm saying? We, we, listen, we need to get back to an attitude of gratitude and, and thankfulness and, 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 and stop acting like spoiled children in our day and time. And he goes on down and says charity. That's God's love. That, that's the affection and benevolence towards others, serving others and giving others. And then he says this in spirit. So he says, 
in word and conversation and charity, God's love, loving others, and in spirit, and that is our soul's disposition. So, so think about this. Similar to how word and conversation go together, what we say in our attitude, charity and spirit go together. Because here's the thing. There have been times where I have been serving, but my attitude not be what it should be. Now, I know you never do this. But I know there have been times where I've been serving, and instead of being thankful that I get an opportunity to serve, I'm thinking about all the people who aren't helping me serve. Where are they at? Why ain't they they doing it? And you understand, that's when really we just need to be thankful we get a chance to serve our God, and we get a chance to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. He goes on down and talks about in faith, that is your moral conviction over the Word of God. It's to know what you believe and why you believe it. To have a love for God's Word and to stand firmly on it. To live it out in your daily life. To let it impact where you go, what you say, what you wear, what you watch, what you listen to. How you raise your children. And the list goes on and on and on. And he goes on and says impurity. Impurity simply means cleanliness. It's not talking about a bath, although you need to take a bath. But it is talking about a clean heart, a clean thought life. The idea from separating from this old wicked world and living holy unto our God. But now look at what he says. Look at verse number 14. I'm kind of going through this quickly tonight. But look at verse number 14 because it, 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 it's part of it. Or I'm sorry, verse number, verse number 13, excuse me. So verse number 12, he says to be an example, be a pattern in all of these things. In your word, in your conversation, in your charity, in your spirit, in your faith, in your purity. All of these things have to do with your character in your personal life, right? But then look at verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And what he's saying is this, is that, is that where verse 13 deals with your personal character, Paul then turns to say what's going to help shape all of that into the image of God. Here's, here's what it is, what you put in you. What you put in your life. In order for Timothy to be an example of character, he had to learn to put the Word of God in him. Look at what he says. Till I come, give attendance. In other words, continually do this to, to reading. Reading what? Reading the Word of God. He's not talking about Joel Osteen's new book. How to become a better you. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. You don't want to know how to become a better you? Die to you. And live unto Christ. He's talking about reading the Word of God. Look, to, to exhortation, to doctrine. So he's saying learn. Put the Word of God in you. Spend time reading it. Spend time studying it. Why? So you can exhort it. That, that's preaching it. He needed to learn what he believed and why he believed it. The point is this, is that if we're to be a pattern to others... That, that, that they can look to in our character, then, then we've got to put stuff in us like this. We, we've got to, li- listen, we, we need to be in church to hear from the Word of God. And grow in our faith. Well, you know, preacher, that church thing, it's just that, well, start with me. It's not optional. Christ died for the church. He loved the church. He gave Himself for the church. The church isn't optional. It's a place where God's people are together together and encourage one another and pray for one another, but also to hear from the Word of God and to grow in their faith. And we need personal time with the Lord. 
to spend in His Word and in prayer. If you're only eating on Wednesday and Sunday, you're going to starve to death as a child of God. You've got to spend time uh, on the other days in the Word of God. And we need a place to serve the Lord where, we, uh, where we're required to study it and to learn what we believe so that we can give it to others. You ever think about that? I'm, listen, I, I look back on my life, and I'm telling you tonight, I am so thankful that, that number one, that right, right after getting saved, not long after being saved and, and being baptized and being part of Victory Bible Baptist Church in, in Pensacola, Florida, I committed to being in every church service. And I did. I had about 30, you know, 30 minutes or so, uh, depending on traffic, to drive from one town all the way to the other side of, of, of the city of Pensacola uh, to get there on a Wednesday night after working all day and welding or pouring concrete or whatever it was that I was doing. And, I had, and I'm just telling you, I had to fight the flesh, but I committed and I stayed faithful. And I'm telling you tonight, I'm glad that I did. And I'm glad, I'm glad that, that, I, that I got me an old King James Bible and I sat down in my room at night uh, and, and, and started reading my Bible in my personal time. And, and when it came to things on the radio, uh, I, I began to play tapes and, and message, you know, cassette tapes and anyways. I begin to play uh, preaching and, and things like that on the radio and, and fill up my life with good preaching. The next thing you know, uh, I, I wanted to help. I wanted to get involved. And they, they started letting me work with the youth. And they figured I was going to mess all them up. So they put me teaching the young adult Sunday school class. And I obligated myself to serving the Lord. And the next thing you know, I'm studying the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. I'm growing in the Word. And all of these things help me to grow in my faith, shape and mold my character, and in the greater scheme of things that determine my spiritual direction in life. And that was age 20, and I'm 48 now, and some 28 years later, guess what? Still doing these very same things. And I don't want to quit. I don't, I don't want to quit. Listen, listen to me tonight. Well, you know, don't you have some kind of program here? No, here, here's what we got. And it still works. What you need to do is just stop looking for the entertainments and do what God says to do. Examine your private life. Be an example in it, a pattern that somebody else can follow. But notice something else he says to Timothy. Man, I like this one, and I think this one might be needed tonight. Look at verse 14. He says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. You know what I believe he's saying right here? I believe he's saying this, be passionate. You go back to chapter 1 and verse number 18. We actually reference this verse number 14 right here to explain the prophecies which went on before young Timothy. Okay, And I don't have time to do all of that, but I do want to explain some things here quickly. The gift that is mentioned here that's within Timothy is the gift of preaching given by the Holy Spirit. He mentions those who prophesied about young Timothy being called to preach. It's kind of like how preachers today can see God working in a young man's life and calling him into the ministry before he ever understands it. It's amazing how that works. But then he mentions those other godly men and preachers who laid hands on Timothy and ordaining him into the gospel ministry. That's the presbytery that he talks about there in the verse. But here's what I want you to catch tonight and I want you to grab a hold of. The subject of the gift that he's talking about here isn't the main subject per se. 
It's what Timothy does with it that Paul's primarily dealing with. If you look at verse number 14, here's what he says. Neglect. He says, neglect not the gift that is in thee. You understand the word neglect? It literally means this, to become careless. The point that Paul is making here to Timothy is that there has been a lot invested in him. God has saved him. God has called him. God has given him this gift. Good men have recognized that and even stood behind him in ordaining him. Therefore, Timothy is not to neglect this or take it for granted. Look at verse number 15. See, it doesn't stop there. He says, he says meditate upon these things. Watch, watch this. Give thyself holy to them. Holy, not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y. You know what he's saying? He's saying instead, instead of neglecting these things, Timothy, dive in. Go all in. If God's called you, given you the gift of preaching, then it's worth it giving up everything else and throwing yourself completely into it rather than letting some temporal thing pull you away or gain your affection and causing you to become apathetic to the things of God and eventually apostate. Timothy, fight to stay in love with Him. Be passionate about Him. And fight to stay that way your whole life. And notice the end result of verse 15. Look at what he says. He says, that thy profiting may appear... To, to all. And, and, and that word profiting right there, it means progress or growth. It's not talking about financially, it's talking about spiritually. As Timothy stays passionate in his private life, people in his public life will take notice. They will watch as he keeps serving the Lord and doing the things that a good minister does in exposing the lies of the day and consistently preaching the Word of God and going forward in the work of God. But couldn't we also say that the opposite could be said if Timothy neglects this? If he lets the temporal things of the world gain his affections and his heart it begins to wane in his private life and he eventually commits apostasy in his public life, and please catch this, it's not only false doctrine that pulls people away from the things of God, it's also people like Demas who forsook the things of God having loved this present world. And You may be here tonight and say, Preacher, I'm not called to preach. I don't have that spiritual gift. Timothy has, but the principle is still here. Listen to me tonight. Like Timothy, there's been much invested in you. If you are saved tonight, Christ died for you. The Holy Spirit of God has worked in your life and brought you to that truth. He's now indwelling you and equipping you to serve Him in some capacity. And, and those investments alone, those investments alone are enough to say that we should not neglect them, but to give ourselves wholly to them. To be passionate about the things of God. Not apathetic. I've had people come, I had a, 
I'll never forget this. I was preaching one time in, in Cashville, and the guy came out of the service, and he said, I had to look out the window to make sure that it wasn't uh, Assembly of God on the sign or Pentecostal that this was a Baptist church. You were so wound up. I said, well, we were supposed to close those blinds. <laughs> but I, I'm just telling you tonight, I, the way I do, the way I preach and the things that I do, I can't help that. That's just something God put in me. And I, God forbid we get up here and go, all right, take your Bibles tonight. And... But what about you? Let, let me help you with this tonight. I heard Brother Eric say this Sunday morning. I'm going to tell you something tonight. And I'm gonna, you can take it for what it's will. I don't really, really care tonight. I'm, I'm all about making people mad tonight. I don't think it should be that the song leader has to get up here and pump people up for a church service. And I don't think it should be that the man of God has to fight keep, keep people awake during a preaching service. Or that he has to scold and shame people for their apathy. The truth is, these are all the results of what we're doing in our private lives. If we get on fire for God in our private life, instead of being so in love with this world, mercy what God might do in the public. In his house. It shouldn't have to be that the song leader's got to get up here and sing, and about the second song, he's got to rebuke the people and go, All right, smile now, get fired up for the things of God. We should come in the house of God like that because we were doing it in our private life. I'd say a good percentage of God's people probably walk into the house of God on Sunday morning and they hadn't even prayed and they haven't even spent time in the Word. And then we come in and plop in the pew and expect the song leader to pump us up and the man of God to keep us awake when that's not our responsibilities. Folks, if there's anything that I could leave you with tonight is this. Why not us be a passionate people for God? Why not when the first song goes off, we're singing at the top of our lungs? Why not when the preaching runs past noon, we're still amening? I don't even get to the pulpit till like 1130. You, you want something good in 30 minutes, you came to the wrong place, man. This ain't an easy-bake oven pulpit, son. I'm telling you right now. This is smoking brisket for a few hours. But I'd rather have biscuit than a stale cookie out of an easy-bake oven any day of the week. I don't know where all that came from, but, man, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Look at verse 16, and we'll finish tonight. Let's take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine continue in them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that, that hear thee. I think it's pretty obvious Timothy was already saved but I think the spiritual context is this is that he's going to keep himself away from apostasy and he's going to keep a lot of other people away from it as well. I think that's obvious. But I want to leave you with this last thing. It's not only to be a pattern and it's not only to be passionate, but I think what Paul's saying here is this, be perceptive. Be perceptive. As you and I decide tonight, I want to be a pattern. God's called me to be. I want to be passionate about the things of God. 
And that's, that's wonderful. But you need to know that the devil and the flesh and the world are not going to like that. And be a fact, they're going to work very hard to prevent it in your life and in mine. That's why at the end of this, Paul says to Timothy in his personal life at verse number 16, he says this, Take heed. Take heed unto thyself. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, Timothy, be on guard. Be perceptive that spiritual warfare is going to take place in your private life to try and hinder all of these things. And I want you to think about this tonight. It, it's, it's not that we don't, I mean, we all have some type of character tonight, but you understand what God desires, <clears throat> excuse me, what God desires is godly character. But that means that we're going, that, that we're, we, we are going to have to be on guard as to what we are putting into our minds and into our hearts in our private life if we're going to have godly character. And, and here's what I know about my life. And I'm just speaking for me tonight. This is not necessarily for you, but I would venture to say you can relate tonight. Because after all, I'm normal. It's easy to let this slip. It's easy to let things slip. It's easy to grow apathetic in this area on things that we allow into our ear gate and into our eye gate and into our hearts and in our minds. We grow apathetic to things that at one time we took a strong stand against and now we're allowing it into our home and into our personal life. I think oftentimes about Lot in 2 Peter where, where, where Peter says of Lot that he vexed his soul and, and that idea is this, is that he just got wore down with the stuff in Sodom and Gomorrah to the place that where when the angels came, they found his children deeply involved in it. The truth of the matter is sometimes we do that as well. We get wore down with the junk of this world and we start letting it in and thinking to ourselves that, well, it's, it's okay, it's, I'm not... I'm not, I'm, it's not bothering me spiritually when the reality is we're not okay. We're not okay. Listen to me tonight. Listen to me. Take heed. Be perceptive. Take heed unto thyself. Because what I'm trying to get across to you tonight and what I believe Paul is trying to get across to Timothy is this, is that this will eventually have an impact on the public life. You may not see it now, but it will. Therefore, go back. You know what? Readdress some things. I do it oftentimes in my life. Sit back and get a reality check and go, wait a minute. I can remember five years ago going, I, you know, we wouldn't even have this stuff in our house or in our, on our TV or on our radio. Turn it off. Stop dwelling on it and thinking about it and put the godly things back into your life and into your heart and into your mind and into your private life. But also think about this. It's not that we don't have passion. We do. It's just that we often invest those passions in temporal things rather than back 
to the one who's invested so much in us. Again, we need to take heed. It, it does affect your public life. I know for me, I can get to this place where I feel like I'm running on, I'm running on spiritual fumes. Please listen to this tonight. When you're in that, when you're in that, when you are in that type of a spiritual condition, you are one tragedy away from apostasy. It's affecting your church life. It is. It's affecting your it's affecting the services here, but also your service unto the Lord. I could sit here tonight and I could tell you story after story of men and women in the pews and men of God in the pulpit whose public life ended in great tragedy. And in every instance, it goes back to what they were doing in their private life. And it eventually came to the surface. But I'm not a negative guy. Most of the time. Because on the other side of that, I could also say this. I could tell you a bunch of stories where God worked mightily in and through some people. Did some wonderful works. But I could also say this tonight. That too also goes back to what they were doing in their private life. And it eventually came to the surface. The point is, both directions are determined what, what, by what we're doing in our private lives, what we're putting in us, who or what has our love and our affection. I think for Paul, his desire was is that he would see Timothy Stay faithful. I would say to you tonight, my desire for you is to stay faithful. I know for me, I want to stay faithful. But then the question comes, how's your private life? Because that's what's going to determine it. Let's all stand tonight. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for your word.